I'm Barry Worthington. And I'm Adam Penlowberry. And this is the Progress with Unity podcast. Well, what can we say apart from uh, Wigan Athletic 1, Burnley 5? <laughs> not the result I was expecting, if I'm being honest, Adam, but I know Burnley are a good side. Not the not the result I was expecting. Yeah, even Dominic, as an employee of the club, wasn't uh, going that ambitious, was he? He went for a 2-0, didn't he, I think? But then again, I think as we'll get on to, was it really a 5-1 game? Probably not. These things can happen sometimes, can't they, in football? So I'm not yeah. too disappointed. Some people may or may not be aware of this, but yesterday was Progress with Unity on the road special. It's the third one we've done. The first one was against Sunderland, and we know what happened then. The second one was against Plymouth. And we sort of know what happened then. And I think we'd better stop doing these, Adam, because it's like a bit of a jinx, isn't it? You know, getting on the stage in the supporters' club. And something else that happened in all three of those games, we won the toss. Maybe there's something in that, I don't know. Well, also as well, one of my one of my mates who came on, he came to one game last season. That was the Cambridge game that we lost. <laughs> I look for all these little idiosyncrasies all the time. Yeah. Barry, did you did you have your hot dog out? Well, that's the other thing you say. I didn't take any any refreshments at all to the game, and it's, I, I always do. Again, I was wondering if I broken some sort of voodoo or made and created a voodoo even. So the goals, Jay Rodriguez on 17 minutes and Brownell on 27. Great finishes. When we'll come to the stats later on, I think that possibly was the difference, was a difference anyway. And then Nathan Teller on 51. Liam Richardson was talking about the fact that we were coming back into the game, which I think we were, Adam. We got that penalty just before half-time and we had a couple of chances. And then we started the second half quite positive, didn't we? Nathan Teller, well, did you think it was onside or offside at the game? It looked like he had a lot of space. I was right at the other end. So it was a bit of a distance. I clearly wasn't in line, but he did look to me like he was ahead of the play. But then you think, well, is it just because he's so quick? McGutton instinct was offside. Some of the player instincts can give it away. You know, there are a few who, let's just say, continued the argument for, uh, you know, a few seconds after the decision was made. In the end, it was a decision that they got wrong between them well it's the you've got to blame the referee's assistant really yeah a bit disappointing because for me it was really bubbling up to be what could have been a fantastic second half i don't think the third goal absolutely killed it but it it, it, it knocked us back it's like getting another punch and you're being knocked down again and you have to get up again uh, whereas actually we we were putting them on the ropes if we're using the boxing uh, analogies there, weren't we? We had them on the ropes for a bit. Yeah, well, if you're still using those analogies, Wilkin had, had, had a bit of a, a swinger, didn't he? <laughs> Where he put over the put it over the bar instead of connecting yeah. on the chin, and it, it, that was seconds before that goal. So we could have gone two apiece. We, we, we're finding ourselves two goals behind. It's usually so cool and calm in them situations in the keen you know he takes his time and that's sometimes a criticism about him because he, he will make sure where he'll hold on to the ball till it's it's certain yeah. cross reference Bristol City you don't get you know take your time finish, mm. finish it off yeah but and then <clears throat> we made the substitutions to, to Keenan Langoff brought on Broadhead and, and, and McGuinness Shinny went off and Asgard came on Immediately, we had a great attempt. Josh McGuinness headed that ball and, and the keeper made a good save, tipped it over. That would have made it 3-2, game back on again. 
just you mentioned the substitutions. I mean, what what did you think, Mary, of the selections? Because we did we did say there was a possibility, didn't we, of uh, going three at the back with the wing backs uh, if mm-hmm. Tilt was fit. But I thought the other one surprised me a bit. I would have thought originally that McGuinness would have started ahead of Shinny. Keane would have played deeper and we'd have then, you know, had, you know, we, we would have probably still gone the same formation. But I think it would have been a slightly more attacking version of the same formation. So what 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 were you surprised yeah. when McGuinness wasn't in the well, in the started eleven? Well, let me just say, before I do begin, hindsight is a wonderful thing. And in hindsight, I agree with that the, the tactics and the formation, that perhaps the selections were wrong. But they've, they've obviously studied how Burnley play and tried to counter that. Because, they, I mean, we've got to hold our hands up and say Burnley are a quality side. They've got quality players. They move a lot. They're good on the ball. Technical, superb. They've tried to counter that by, I think, going an extra man in midfield. And and it's not worked. And we've played three at the back previously. We played it several times last season, didn't we? With, with the three centre backs. Personally, I'd have liked us to have continued with the four-two-three-one formation. That that yeah. is our favourite. And have the striker at the top who can hold the ball up. Because I don't think for all the qualities, Lang and Keane, they don't hold the ball up. That's not one of the qualities. We lose the ball, don't we? And sometimes we lose it a little bit too easily in that area. And because because of the the quality that Burnley had in midfield and, and also the drop-off striker as well. The transition was very quick for them to be then attacking us. And often, even though we had the three midfielders in there, they were kind of bypassing it because we weren't really holding the ball up enough and getting our players closer to it. So, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't necessarily... I wasn't really criticising the, the formation. I was just surprised. I mean, I could see the 5-3-2 or the whatever you call 3-5-2, whatever... I suppose it depends how attacking your wing backs are. It was just that McGuinness one, I think, for me that surprised me. But it, it, it's not a criticism in any way. And and you have to say, kind of Lang and Keane as those two up front at Birmingham, albeit on a, a a very different against a very different team. That was a genius decision, wasn't it, to put those two up front because essentially that that very much gave us the impetus at Birmingham. So it's not it's not a criticism. It's not like oh the benefit of hindsight. I just, at the time of the selection, I thought, this is odd. I didn't necessarily think it was wrong. You don't know until uh, until the game's in progress, do you? And then he tries to uh, change it in the second half. It, it sort of went from bad to worse, really. <laughs> I thought the midfield tired yesterday as well with the heat. It was a hot day. They were chasing shadows. And you say we, we, we give the ball away quite a bit. I thought we'd give it away a hell of a lot, especially in the first half. We were just clearing our decks. I've not seen us play like that at all in the last 12 months. It's, it was it, There was a bit of panic in the team. Maybe, I don't know if, if, if saying it was overawed by the opposition it would be the right thing, but I think they were concerned about their qualities and didn't want to take any risks. But losing possession or giving possession away when we should have been keeping hold of it is, is giving them back possession. They kept hold of it really well. And the others, and then two late goals. I agree. A 3-1, you could stomach, but a 5-1. But yeah. one thing I will say, when we went to Tottenham and got nine put past us, the game after, we played Sunderland at home, didn't we? And, and won one yeah. nil. But yeah. that's what you've got to do. It's not the, the manner or, or the defeat itself, it's how you react to it. And I, I think that's the big challenge here. We've got to react on Tuesday night, which we'll come to in a moment. Paul Kendrick put a tweet out yesterday. 
Anybody who finishes above Burnley will win the title this season. It is a bit early for that, but I can see 100% where it's coming from because that's the thought I had. I thought they were an excellent side. Yeah, the only thing I'd say, I think certainly going forward and also control the midfield, there was some, I would say, at the moment, some weaknesses in defence. They look very susceptible to essentially just a straight ball over the top. <laughs> Hence, the you know, the goal came from that. And the other thing that he did on two or three occasions is uh, just kick the ball out of play. I actually thought there was someone injured at one point because it literally just kicked kicked it out of play. A lot of that, like you said, it, it's very early days and getting defensive networks working well can take a while, but certainly an attacking player, a good good spot with, with Teller, a very good spot there, Barry. I think can't see why he's... He's not really an impact substitute for Southampton. I watched a bit of their game yesterday and it looked like they liked a bit off the bench, you know, later on. For me, I thought his pace caused us lots and lots of problems, but not just pace, you know, he, he knew what to do with the ball, didn't he? When he got into the position, he could finish, he could cross it. And I think, I know we don't do an opposition man of the match, but I think... Uh, him and obviously Rodriguez played well as well, but I think he was the key difference because we we just yeah. generally couldn't handle him. And I thought Brownell Brownell played well uh, on the very right good, side. Yeah, very good. Two very goals good, for yeah. him as well. The stats: we had forty three percent possession. We had eighteen attempts with three on target. Burnley had eight with six on target. There you go. Hit that target. Corners. With six corners to the one. Fouls were eight apiece, so it wasn't a nasty game. Although. After 54 seconds, when Curtis Tilt went through Rodriguez and picked up a booking, I thought, hey, up, here we go. <laughs> but it settled down. With two yellows, one each, Tilt got that booking for going through on Rodriguez. And Murich for the long line, which gave away the penalty. It was good of the referee to wait to see if that ball ended up in the back of the net, weren't it, before he blew for the penalty. James Bell was the referee. I thought he did all right, personally. He's not been refereeing in a long time and he's come through the ranks pretty sharpish. And I thought he did all right, in fairness. Man of the Match is voted for by our listeners on both Facebook and Twitter. It's Latics midfielder Graham Shinney. He had a tidy game. I don't think anybody was outstanding for me. I found it difficult picking out somebody to, to be Man of the Match. But I can't argue with Shinney. I thought he put a, a good shift in and he worked hard. He worked hard. I did. Tidy, I think is the word, isn't it? You'd say tidy. There's no attendance given. I don't know why. It's not on any of the sites. But looking at it, I'd have said there was somewhere between fourteen and 15,000. What What would you say, Adam? Well, if it's not been given, I'm going to claim it as uh, 78,000. <laughs> 78,000. I've got to mention 10 Dylerico, dislocated his shoulder. Uh, I've seen some people saying they expect him to be back Tuesday or Saturday. I've dislocated my shoulder when I was uh, <laughs> 17. And I'll tell you... I still get pains in it now. I'm still having problems with my right shoulder. He's not going to be back. I think as well with them from memory. I remember we had a we had a player in Sunday League, and although he played two or three weeks later, it seemed to keep popping out. So you, you usually need it all. Look at Brian Robson. He was plagued his career with this shoulder, weren't he? For England and for United, and he ended up. I think he had several operations on his. He had it pinned at the end of it. Yeah. But it's not just that. When it pops out, it's, it's doing your tendons and your ligaments as well. So you've got all that. If he's playing and he falls over and he's he's landing on, on his right arm, his elbow, I can't see him playing for. It's a bad area as well because, you you know, your, shol- your shoulder is very important in football, isn't it? Your strength and your balance and, you know, even if you're like, 
you're not feeling it on you're not feeling the pain until it's sorted are you actually at your best i think it's gonna it, unfortunately it might be a while but it'll give other players a chance and that's what you've got a squad for the pity is for me that Verica's been very good this season he's given us that offensive yeah. outlet sandy down the right he's used his pace well and he's been very good but like you say, it's time now, Ryan Niambi, to come in and step up to the yeah. challenge and, and try and make that spot his own. And it's come with a reputation. Oh. Well, we're moving on now to Tuesday evening. West Brom are in town. To talk about all things West Bromwich Albion, his bag is span with a difference. He's almost got a foot in both camps. It's Simon. Simon Kendrick, how are you doing? Oh, well, I'll just say it's it's great to be on because I've been listening to this podcast for years, twice a week. And to actually be part of it seems a bit weird. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you asked me to come on. I have got a foot in both camps. Well, I've got a foot in the Albion camp and I've got a toe in the Latics camp. I married a, a girl from Beach Hill. She's a mad Latics fan. That was one of the reasons why we first got together. Long story, I won't go into it. My son is a, a Latics fan too, because that's where he was born. And we lived in Wigan. Well, I lived in Wigan for, for 12 years. So I've got a big affinity for the for the club. I always always go into the Latics when Albion weren't playing. I had a season ticket at the Albion, so I used to commute from from Wigan to West Brom. But when Albion weren't playing, I was at Latics, uh, and you know I've got a great affinity for the club. Follow them on you know all the time. Um, apart from there's two occasions when I don't follow them, and one of those occasions is Tuesday, unfortunately. Rewind to uh, 2011 February. You was on the walk to Bolton yeah. for Emma Hooling with us, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on the walk. Did the walk to did the walk to the Reebok or whatever it's called. So I, I did that. I was involved in the fundraising with that. I've always got my Joseph Goal wristband on. I've had that on for ten years. I really enjoyed the time I spent in Wigan. I made many, many great friends. I'll always have a, a very, very, very soft spot uh, for Latics, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. Let's get into why you're here today, West Bromwich Albion. From the outside, I think you've made a, a, an all right start to the season. Perhaps not the one that Baggies fans would have bought for, but as you, your take on it. Mixed. We, we we had an absolutely dreadful year last year after getting relegated. You know, as a team coming down, you always have high hopes of doing well. But the appointment of Valerian Ishmael was disastrous. The, the style of play that he had was so rudimentary. He alienated fans very quickly when we started to lose. The first few games we won, we got worked out very quickly. So last year was a complete write-off. In fact, it was only Latics that kept me sane last year. I've got to be honest with you, because it was absolute dirge. So so this year, you know, we we, we needed to make big changes. The, the, the squad was very stale. There's lots of players that have been with us for many years that many believe should have been moved on beforehand. And yeah, it's been, it's been mixed. In, in patches, we've played really well. And then you watch that and you think, yeah, we've got a real good chance here. We've got a very good chance. And then you watch us at other points and you think, wow, what, what's going on? You know, we've, we've gone back, we've regressed. We've regressed 12 months, what's going on here? And it's at the moment, it's, it's striking that balance. We've definitely got a squad capable of finishing the top six. It, it just depends on how Steve Bruce moulds them. And at the moment, the jury is slightly out on that. Well, I was going to come to Bruce, but before I do, say it's been mixed. There's been a standout result in there, the uh, 5-2 demolition of Bull City. You know, that shows what we're capable of when it clicks. You know, and you, and you, and you see that and you think, here we go. Here we go. We're, we're, we're on our way. And then yesterday we play, we play Huddersfield uh, and go 2-0 down. With it, with it within, within half an hour. And you think, well, hang on, we're supposed to be following on that result of 5-2. You should be brimming with confidence. What's going on? And it's that kind of dip and peaks in performance that it's difficult to kind of get that consistency. You know, I, I'm not too concerned about the table where we are now. It's all about performances, I suppose. 
Well, talking about Steve Bruce, and um, you said there's mixed feeling about him as well. So why is the mixed feelings? And do you think he's the man to get the baggage back up? The problem was he came in in February and basically Steve Bruce is the fifth managerial change we've made mid-season in six seasons, which is never good. He's not really a name that inspires, I don't think. Uh, you know, a lot of people are looking for names. I, I was relatively happy because he's got the experience and where we were last year, we needed someone to come in with a little bit of gravitas and a li- and know the division very well to kind of stabilise where we were. And he kind of did that. Didn't really improve things. I mean, you're always looking for a new manager bounce, but it never happened. But he wasn't to blame. No one really blamed him for last year. It was a culmination of many, many years of, of bad buys, bad investment generally. So he couldn't be blamed for, for that. But now he's had the summer, he's had, six, he's had five months to assess the squad. We We've still got a parachute payment for this season and we've bought some decent players. We've bought some decent championship players, all of whom, you know, we expect to do well. Uh, and to be fair, they, they, they have been doing quite well. I, I do feel a bit sorry for Steve Bruce in so much as our main striker, Daryl DK, who, who came in on, in January for seven million. He's been on the treatment table ever since. Uh, and we were expecting big things of him this season. He looked good in, in pre-season. And then before the second game, he's out for another three months. So all of a sudden, we are short of a striker. We've got lots of attacking midfielders, wingers, but we haven't got that focal point up front and we're desperate. And a lot of these games that we, we, we've drawn, we'd have won with proper number nine. And, and, and I think actually that potentially could benefit Latics on Tuesday because transfer windows on Wednesday. Uh, and I don't think we're going to get anyone in before then. You know, when you watch the game on Tuesday, I think you'll be able to tell what we're missing. You mentioned though that some players have been brought in. What have you made of them? We, we, we're all really happy uh, because what we did, we, we got John, John Swift in from, from Reading, who was widely regarded to be one of the best attacking midfielders. He's been good. We, we got Jed Wallace from Millwall. Both of these are free transfers and he's been great. And the cherry on the top was it was OK Yukushlu. I mean, we had him in the 1920 season on loan from Celta Vigo, central midfielder, protects the back four when we were in the Premier League. He was the difference between 20th and 19th. You know, he was great. He was really great. And we, and we hoped we'd sign him last season and he was still at Celta. Uh, and in the end, he negotiated his, uh, he, he, they paid him up in the summer. And we still thought he's not going to come to the championship. You know, he's, he's got 40 plus caps for uh, for Turkey and he wanted to come he said he really really enjoyed his football at the Albion and he came and we were over the moon because he cost nothing as well so Swift Wallace and Yukushlu cost nothing but we're paying them well we've not spent anything in terms of transfer fees yet but obviously these players get up getting big sign-on fees and, and, and getting uh, big wages but these players are without a shadow of a doubt top six championship players can you give us a player to watch then there's a there's a guy that we had the season we got promoted in 1819 graded in Ghana who was just phenomenal we bought him from West Ham when we got promoted and he kind of really struggled we he had a terrible season then last season we're thinking right okay we're back in the championship he's going to tear it up again Valerian Ishmael no the two styles did not marry at all. And everyone thought his time was done at the Albion. And it was such a shame because he's a great guy. And it was one of the things when Bruce came in in, in February, we've got to get Grady Diangana back because he's a big asset. We spent 12 million quid on him, rising to 18. He could be the biggest purchase we've ever made. Get him back and you've got a great player. And he's come back after the summer. He's bulked up and he's back to his best, it seems. We're only five or six games in. But if he carries on as a left winger, there is no better left winger in the championship. And obviously, I know Derek has got a problem he might not be playing it might be Nwambi playing I wouldn't fancy being a right back having to face Grady Dean Garner on Tuesday because if he plays anywhere near as well as he's been
been playing this season, you've got a big problem. Thank you for that. Well, with all that in mind and knowing Tendai Darika isn't going to play on, on Tuesday night, give us a prediction. Prediction? I've been thinking about this. I mean, after after yesterday, I mean, Latics are a wounded animal. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think what is crucial with this game is the first goal. I think if Albion get it, then I think Latics might think, here we go again sort of thing. If Latics get it, look at the display at Birmingham. They can dig in. And I think if Latics get a finger hold into the game and got something to protect, I think we might struggle. That said, I'm, I'm, I think it's going to be 2-1 to the Albion. I, I'm, I think we'll have a little bit too much for you. I think we will. I think we haven't had an away win yet this year. We played at Borough. We played well. We lost at Blackburn. Should have been a draw. And Huddersfield yesterday, we should have won it with a striker. Only thing we've not got that striker yet. So I'll, I'll plumb for a 2-1. For a Thank you very much, Simon. Well, Simon Kendrick there, Adam, going for a, a 2-1 away win. Mm. Good interview, though. Very good, yeah. It usually comes out about 9pm, doesn't it, the pod? So maybe a bit earlier on a Sunday. So Simon Kendrick might be getting beat up at that point as his wife listens to the <laughs> to the podcast after that prediction. But to be fair, he, you know, he... he He's given us a lot of credit, hasn't he? We did, uh, he's given us a good information on West Brom, but pretty much all the way through, he, he given us a lot of positivity. And uh, I think he said last year, actually, Latics kept him sane because West Brom was so bad last season. So They were so bad, but they finished seventh, you know. I'd, I'd take that. They had a bit of a final spurt on, but they were never really threatening the, the playoffs. My concern is the way he was talking about Dion Garner, is it, on the left? Let's just, let's just say that, that that's been an area well so it was an area that was exploited on Saturday and it looks like it's going to be a it's going to be a tough game for our right hand side again on the, on Tuesday isn't it one thing that Zarika did though with him being offensive like he is he always pushes the winger back doesn't he because the winger then has to pick up defensive duties the referee for the game is uh, one of who's refereed us numerous times Andy Woolmer from Northamptonshire he's had 12 previous Latics games the last one being our 2-1 away win at Plymouth last season. And if you remember, Callum Lang scored the late goal there, sealing all the th- all three points. Andy Woolmer was last in charge of a West Brom game in September 2021. That was last season in the Championship, and it was a one-all draw at home against Millwall. Woolmer is now a veteran of over 600 games stretching back to 2000. Wow. And four. So he's been knocking around for a long time. Bags of experience. Guard watch so far this season. Andy Woolmer has taken charge of five games, issued 21 yellows, one red, and awarded one penalty. That total has been was bunched up by the first game of the season, Swindon v Salford. Eight yellows and a red in that game. That must have been a little bit tastier for her. So let's move over now to the uh, to the previous against uh, the baggies. We've played them 24 times and uh, we've actually had the better of it. We've won 10, lost nine, and we've made five draws. First meeting came in the League Cup back in the uh, 84-85 season. I I think maybe back then it possibly was the Milk Cup, maybe back then. We drew 0-0 at Springfield Park and we lost at the Hawthorns 3-1. The last meeting, the 2019-20 season, (laughs) a 1-1 home draw which, of course, uh, drink get. And it, well, we don't know. Maybe Jamie, we'll talk about this in a moment, maybe, but Jamie Jones might not be in the goal because Amos was on the bench yesterday. But obviously, if he is in the goal, let's just hope he, he ensures that the ball is well at a player before he decides to uh, have a little sip of his, uh, his drink. The last meeting, uh, though, between the sides was during an excellent run 
for the Latics when we won 1-0 at West Brom in February of 2020 with a Sam Morsi goal, which obviously delighted about celebrating in front of the West Brom fans' lovely finish. That was also the last away game in front of fans for the Latics until we played Sunderland last season. Little did we know that at the time. And also just a very uh, indirect anecdote to that is that the previous night we took more fans to a a youth court quarterfinal at Old Trafford than we did to uh, West Brom the following day. So back to Barry now for the predictions. Simon's gone for a a 2-1 away win. Feeling rather confident about that, I think. I'm not so sure. I think we'll see some sort of reaction. I'd said there'll definitely be changes to the starting lineup, and I think there'll definitely be changes to the formation as well. It's going to be a tough game. They've got some good players, but I think it's going to be... I'm going for a 1-1. Yeah, I was thinking draw, to be honest. I think that West Brom are drawing quite a few games, aren't they, so far this season, as are the Latics. I'm encouraged by the fact doesn't seem like they, they... I mean, I know they've had a game where they've got five this season, but it doesn't sound like they're as clinical as they might be. So I think that'll be a very different from the Burnley game because they were superb in how clinical they were. So, yeah, I think, to be honest, I'll probably be going for a 1-1 one, one, one draw myself. Uh, and I, I think he agreed that, I think from the starting lineup, there's obviously going to be at least one change because of the injury to Derekwa. That picks itself. It'll be interesting to see, from my perspective, whether there's a potential recall for Tom Pierce, who, you know, I, I quite like Pierce. I think he's a good player. Maybe I'd, I'd like to see him, because I think as well he can really connect well with McLean. I'd like to see McLean a bit further up the field to push them back. And that's another of his former clubs, isn't it, as well? West Brom. So he'll be, he'll be up for it, won't he? We'll be back on Wednesday, which is transfer deadline day. So we'll have all the reaction to the West Bromwich Albion game, plus all the reaction to the seven new signings of five outgoings that are going to be uh, going through those revolving doors at Wigan Athletic. I don't think there were that many, Adam, do you? I wouldn't have thought so, not. My prediction on this, I'm going for two in and one out. Adam, go on, give us your prediction. I'm going to go for two out and two in. On that bombshell, (laughs) it's goodbye from me and up the ticks. Come on. Up the ticks. (laughs) 